0: Hi, I'm Matt from Nadegal, and I would like to welcome you to the Where Would You Like to Start podcast. Here's my co-author, Dr. David Freeman, on why children choose to distance themselves from their parents. You can't be a parent and not be anxious. Of course you're going to be anxious, but you don't have a right to act anxious. And
1: by acting anxious, it chases your child away, because it's not about your child and your child's struggles. It's about you needing your child to be different. But as long as you come to them in an anxious state, they don't see you as a person that they feel understands or sees them or hears them or acknowledges what they're up against inside of themselves and what they're experiencing in their world. That's so painful that they have to numb themselves out. Any parent allows parental anxiety to take them over. they no longer mentoring, guiding, and coaching their children through their difficult days.
0: A man in his 20s, who I'll call Matthew, was seeking therapy after the death of his father, Carl. Matthew was experiencing panic attacks, a symptom he hadn't experienced since his early adolescence. However, according to Matthew, he really wasn't close with his father. So why was he feeling so anxious about his father's death? According to Matthew, his parents were both scientifically inclined His father Carl was a professor of biology and his mother a computer programmer. When he was a young boy, Matthew remembers spending weekend afternoons with Carl in their garden. His dad would lift up a rock and Matthew would be both fascinated and squeamish at all the living things crawling about. Carl always made sure to bring a magnifying glass and Tupperware container to catch the insects. He taught Matthew to puncture holes in the containers to ensure the insects received enough oxygen. Matthew stated that these were glorious times, and he felt very close to his father back then. In his home, Matthew would sit and observe the insects and make notes on how they would go about their lives. He would then discuss the observations with his dad, which, according to Matthew, was something his dad was clearly proud of. However, when Matthew entered adolescence, he began to wonder about the meaning of life. He was plagued with questions about life after death. He went back and forth in his own mind about speaking with his father. He knew that his dad grew up in an old-order Mennonite community and left on bad terms to attend university. But that's all Matthew really knew. His dad refused to speak about his family. In the end, Matthew decided to take a risk and ask his father if he believes in an afterlife. His father didn't answer the question. Instead, Carl began to lecture his son about the meaningless search for answers to impossible questions. When Matthew tried to explain why these questions were important to him, his father said that he should focus more on his homework and less on fairy tales. Matthew felt ashamed and silly for asking his father the question. It would be the last time he would speak to his father about anything of substance. Over the next few months, Carl sought out and joined a church youth group. He developed a close relationship with the pastor and brought all of his newfound spiritual enthusiasm and questions to him. According to Matthew, this pastor became a father figure to him. When it was time to apply to university, it was his pastor who helped Matthew choose an institution with a rigorous science program and a campus that embodied a thriving religious culture. Matthew's father, Carl, died of a heart attack while he was in his third year of university, majoring in etymology, the study of insects. In therapy, Matthew was coached to explore his father's family history. To do this, he reached out to his Aunt Mary. Mary was his father's older sister, and she still lived and practiced in the Mennonite community of his father's birth. According to Mary, Carl, like Matthew, took an interest in a set of ideas that were upsetting to his parents. From an early age, Carl was consumed with questions about how things work. He'd spend long afternoons in the public library reading about physics and astronomy. When he came home, he would lie to his parents and tell them he was deeply involved in meditation and prayer. His aunt recalled that when his father found out, that Carl was applying to university to study science. He told Carl to not come home because he would be a negative influence on the rest of the family. Matthew reconnected with other family members on his father's side. He was invited to partake in family celebrations and even adopted certain Mennonite practices into his own daily rituals. His panic attacks resolved on their own. Matthew's efforts to reconnect with his father's family led to the uncomfortable truth that he had a lot in common with his late father. Both Matthew and Carl grew up with fathers who undoubtedly loved their children, but also harbored deep feelings of anxiety and worry that their children would make choices that would bring harm to them. And that it was not the feelings of anxiety and worry, but the actions based on the worry that led to the distance that would be passed down from one generation of father and sons to the next. The challenge for Matthew and really for all of us parents, is how to stay connected to our children when we're feeling anxious and worried. How do we build a relationship with the child we have versus the child we wish we had? And how can we work on being a wise elder for our children and live out a different ending than the one that is ordained in the song, Cats in the Cradle? The soundbite that you heard at the beginning of the podcast was taken from my upcoming book called Where Would You Like to Start? A Master Therapist on Beginning Psychotherapy with Families. It will be released in the winter of 2020. If you have any questions or suggestions about the podcast or book, please go to my website, nadegal.com, n-a-d-i-g-e-l.com, click contact, and send me an email. Thanks for listening.